And we're live, everybody. Welcome to Brain Food Live on Air. It's just-in-time management. I've just come back from lunch. Um, I am in Madrid right now, um, where I've had the uh, enormous pleasure um, of meeting a few of the uh, Brain Fooders over here in this great city, um, and indeed sampling some of the amazing food here. So <laughs> I'm just like sprinting uh, to get back to uh, our new studio, uh, courtesy of our friends at Personio. So thank you, Personio, for uh, hosting and being uh, making their conference room available for me to uh, to do this live stream. Uh, folks, um, I'm very excited to be having this conversation with you today um, because it has been a topic that's been on my mind uh, over the last two months or more. In fact, it's been on everyone's minds. Um, uh, you know, what to make of this uh, crazy economy that we're seeing. Um, uh, we are seeing high-profile tech layoffs. We are seeing talk about recession. We are so talk, uh, seeing talk about uh, record high inflation, cost of living crisis. Yet at the same time, um, recruiters are struggling to recruit candidates. Where are the candidates? Why aren't they talking to us? In market conditions like this, they should be really all over the place. Should be very liquid. It isn't. So what is going on? We don't know. Um, and in fact, um, the purpose of today's conversation is to try and grab a bunch of people together that come from different perspectives, labor market economists. We've got uh, people that understand how people move to different jobs. We've got business owners also um, seeing what they're seeing from their perspective. It's going to be a fascinating uh, show to take part in. It's actually the second uh, economics focus show we're going to be doing this uh, this month, by the way. So we're going to do another one later on this uh, this month called Where Are the Missing Workers? Slightly different focus. So make sure you join in on that as well. Um, OK, uh, folks, let's do a quick uh, sound check as usual um, before we kick off. Um, I am in a new environment, um, so I actually I'm not sure whether anybody can hear me in the right way or whether that's uh, 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 sort of the, the sound is OK. So if you can hear me OK on Crowdcast, can you just quickly indicate on the chat uh, to say that the audio and the video is OK? And I'm not just speaking into the void. There is something wrong with my sort of headphones right now. So I can't really hear too much in a strange way. Um, also, we should be um, broadcasting this on uh, my LinkedIn page. So if you can see it on LinkedIn and you're watching it there, give me some sort of sign whether you can hear me okay. That would be good to know. Thank you, Colin. Good to know. Thank you, Daniela. Uh, looks like Crowdcast is fine. Just going to check whether we're going to be okay on LinkedIn because that is to be confirmed. Let me just check on the mobile. This is how I check LinkedIn. Um, yeah, I seem to be on there. Um, so that's good. Okay, that's awesome. Um, listen, um, quick shout out to our sponsors, folks, because Brain Food Live cannot work without our sponsor support. Every single week, we've got a company coming up and giving us uh, their support um, to make sure these shows continue to go on. Uh, this week, I'm pleased to say um, uh, the sponsor is uh, Tripad. Um, Tripad is uh, an ATS that is doing some great work, particularly in the uh, high volume sector and in the public sector in the UK and elsewhere. Um, do check them out if you are a business that's interested in looking at a product that's been optimized for that type of demographic and that type of uh, volume of workflow. Um, so Tripad, by the way, they've been producing some amazing reports also. I don't know whether anybody caught my uh, post on earlier this week. Uh, we talked about the state of recruitment. Tripad were part of that. They produced that amazing report. Um, so not only are they a product that is doing some great things for the industry, they're also producing some really interesting insight as well. So make sure you browse their content section on their website as well as check out uh, them as a product. Um, okay, um, very, very good. Let's get on with the show. Um, as usual, folks, we're going to change the scene. We don't do news that review anymore. We're going to shift that over to a Monday show called Monday Big Fresh. Um, however, obviously, with um, the uh, the news of the uh, the Queen lying in state, um, we're actually going to postpone sort of break, bring, bring food back, break fresh next week. Uh, so we're going to be back the week following, and thereafter, it should be every Monday where we review last week's newsletter. Um, so uh, we're going to use today's conversation to dive straight into the topic and talk about what the heck's going on with the economy. So I'm going to bring our guests on right away. Um, let's see whether we can get them on. Let's make sure they're all here, actually, um, because we've got some new guests for us that I don't think have ever been on the show before, um, and it'd be very good to get them on. But I can see a few of them already. Let's see whether we can bring... There she is. Katrina is here. I'm going to invite Katrina Hutchison on. Neil on. 
Colin Donnery is back again. He is coming on also. Um, I see John Boyce. So John, um, I need to congratulate you on your honeymoon, I believe. So let's bring him on. And I hope I can see Sarah as well. Yes, I can. Let's bring her on as well. Okay, we have Katrina at least. Katrina, how are you doing? Good to see you. Hey, good, thank you. Yeah, got the heating on today for the first time. <laughs> oh, no, it's starting my to husband, get a bit... My husband was being romantic. He said, it's Friday. I've got a special treat for you. Put the heating on. I'm like, thanks, sweetheart. I was going to say, heating your mansion as well, Katrina. That's not <laughs> an easy, easy thing to do. Um, I'm, it's I'm much... all house in Scotland. They're all cold. It's it's actually a castle in case people don't know. She like Katrina lives in like the most uninsulated building in, in the country. Uninsulated, uh, which, I'll give you that much. Which is not great. Anyway, everybody is here, which is great to see. Um, so let's do some quick intros. Um, Katrina, can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? Yeah, hey everybody. I'm uh, Katrina Hutchinson O'Neill, CEO and co-founder of Joint Talent, former in-house recruitment TA director. Pleased to be here. Great to have you on the show, Katrina. And we've got Colin Donnery as well. Colin, great to see you. Can you quickly introduce yourself? Who are you? What it is you do? How you doing, guys? Uh, Colin Donnery, FRS. Uh, we're a cooperative. We have about 2,500 employees. We have a recruitment agency business, uh, and we're in around the agri-business, agri-agriculture sector as well, employability, uh, all about moving people into jobs and getting people back into the workforce. So uh, that's what we do. Fantastic. And we've got John Boyce here as well. Um, John, firstly, firstly, John, congratulations, I believe, because um, you're a recently married man. I I, I understand. You're, you're, you're muted, John, I'm afraid. Let me just unmute you. Um, no, I think you need to unmute yourself, my friend. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll say commiserations to John on his recent... Yeah. Um, so yeah. whilst he's getting unmuted, um, we'll figure something out there. And we have uh, Sarah Ali as well. Dr. Sarah Ali, great to meet you, Sarah. Can you quickly introduce yourself, who are you, what it is you do? Yeah, absolutely. Hi, Young. Nice to meet you, Dr. Sarah Ali. I'm here right now in Chicago, global economist at Radency. Radency is actually a global talent tech leader based in New York City. And we work with Fortune 500 companies, helping them solve their problems, you know, on the human capital life cycle. Nice to meet you all. Great to see you, Sarah. And John, I think you're with us. Is that right? Hi there. Yeah, sorry. The um, It chose the wrong microphone uh, by default and it was having a time. I, um, yeah, thanks very much. And um, I'm actually getting married a week tomorrow. So um, this was my last opportunity to. Anyway, I, I'm the labor market economist <laughs> at, the, uh, at the CIPD. Uh, and I'm, I'm very soon to uh, um, be having a couple of weeks off to do those things so thanks thanks for remembering yeah but i'm a labor market economist cipd and i um spend a lot of time looking at uh jobs in the labor market and uh this issue uh specifically so i'm very happy to be here great stuff and thank you john for sparing time i think it is your last day in the office before you go off on your wedding and honeymoon so it's great to catch you uh whilst we have you so so that's great stuff um okay let's talk about i mean let's start with you john actually because you very recently have done some research on this um uh, trying to make sense as to you know how people are moving about in this economy one of the things that's obviously been very striking in terms of the news just has been these high profile layoffs particularly on the vc side type of businesses um you know there seems that the uh the the, the easy vc funding is starting to uh, to not be there anymore which has impact on all of these scale-up plans and what have you and then you know the, the news media loves this we love to hear about these big businesses but at the same time we're struggling to hire you know it's still a case where we have persistent candidate issues so what is your quick interpretation of all of that i mean why are we getting this incongruity um, I mean, I don't really think there's an incongruity just because um, the redundancy rate is at a record low. So we might have some high profile tech companies that are sort of thinking ahead and running out of VC money. But, you know, the rest of the economy is not experiencing this. The rest of the economy is very much struggling to get the workforce that it needs. And there's kind of two things you can do. You can go out and hire people or you can stem the flow of them going out. And for the most part, most businesses are very much in the opposite of what these tech companies are doing. Their, their redundancy rate is at a record low. And um, so, yeah, not, not so much an incongruity. It's um, very interesting. I think a lot of our uh, lifestyles, the Ubers and the Deliveroo's and things uh, for the last sort of five, seven years have been built on the basis of a lot of easy VC capital. Uh, and now it's uh, not there. Sort of makes you wonder if these were always viable business models in the, in the first place um but certainly if we turn if we head into a downturn then this is the time at which you 
see a shakeout of you know business models that aren't viable so it will be interesting to see where that goes and inevitably uh the redundancy rate in the general economy will pick up uh as the economy heads into a downturn towards the end of this year what is the redundancy rate in the uk um uh, uh john and i'll ask you the question in the usr as well because it's good to get the good comparison there but you're saying actually the redundancy rate is really low so what is that number and what can we ex- what should be the normal number so to speak so redundancy rate is the sort of rate of people being made redundant out of a uh, thousand employees and it's uh just actually look it's 2.3 um, for every thousand employees at the moment, it's sort of headed up to around about 15 during the middle of the pandemic um, when there was a lot of uncertainty. And then it plunged straight back down and went to below pre-pandemic trends. So, you know, there's a very, a very small rate of people sort of facing the prospect of redundancy at the moment. But the fact that it sort of jumped from 3%, well, not 3%, 3 per thousand to 15 during the pandemic, you know, it it can move around and it's inevitably going to start to rise again as uh, the cost of living crisis uh, sort of very very those those are interesting numbers aren't they folks like i'm not an ec- economist i don't know um and just to be introduced to some of this terminology i think is super useful so the redundancy rate is a per thousand figure um and you're basically trying to get a sample of that and understand what that number is it's gone from a pandemic peak in the uk of 15 per thousand to uh, i understand 2.3 um and, and the current state which is below um pre-pandemic kind of levels um Dr. Sara Ali, quickly go to you. We all know that sort of, uh, sort of in, uh, every economy is operating differently, even national economies within national economies is variation. But can you give us like some sort of uh, a national overview on the US side? H- how are things sort of operating there? What's the re- redundancy rate is if there's an equivalent sort of number uh, uh, over there? Yeah, I was actually listening. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. We don't have a redundancy rate. We have some other stuff. But let me give you a little breakdown of the U.S. economy. Job openings are super high, right? They were 11.2 million this month. And, you know, that's tight market. But here's the other thing. Looking at the quits data, quits data actually is going down in the last three months. And the layoffs actually are going up in the last three months. And that, to me, as an economist, is basically the first signs of a cooling labor market. And then our inflation numbers just came out, right? It's 8.3%. So you're going to see the Fed continue to increase interest rates, right? Uh, It's a hawkish policy policy right now. Uh, disposable spending, or excuse me, spending is going down. People are not saving as much money. Uh, there's definitely a shift in this country in terms of what Americans are prioritizing right now. So this is this is quite interesting. You have a, a, a quit rate, um, which is, mm-hmm. I don't think we have this. Um, so this mm-hmm. is a voluntary uh, uh it's quitting right so a n- number of people that leave their jobs voluntarily Correct. and then you have another number which is the layoff rate which is i guess in, in, involuntary pe- people leaving um exactly. and uh, can you remind me again wh- which numbers are going up or down on those two yeah so basically separations are basically separations are some of uh, quits plus layoffs plus other types of separations and so quits in the last few months actually have gone down and then uh, layoffs actually in the last few months have gone up and that to me is a signal that hey this market is cooling down even though we're seeing such high job postings in the data yeah very interesting and we, we could probably anticipate things like uh, additional risk aversion from candidates if, you know, they, they, they feel as if they, you know, less confident in the state of the market, let's say, um, and maybe they end up like sticking around in jobs they don't enjoy because they feel, you know what, i got to batten my heads down a little bit on this. Um, let's go to Katrina and Colin, because both of you two are business owners, business operators that service companies that typically do a lot of recruiting. So can you tell us a, a quick narrative over what you've seen in your businesses, given the, the very different types of companies in different sectors, but what have you seen over the last, say, six months or so? So, you know, middle of Q1 this year uh, to, to date, how would you describe the, uh, the pattern of customer behavior that you've seen? Uh, Katrina, go to you on that. Yeah, sure. So, so I think it's probably a couple of different things. I think first up and... It's always a challenge when you're looking at data on a on an aggregate level. Um, when you start to dig in below that, some of the patterns on that are sitting below that kind of nationalized or international data are very different. So if you look at the Corn Ferry report that was sent out beginning of this year, they estimated that we've got a global shortage of I think it was like 4.3 million tech workers. 
and based on current demand versus what's available in the market. And that's forecasted to get worse, not better over the next couple of years because education and training is still not keeping track with um, the, the demand of companies. So this was a little bit like the, the if we're going into a recession, the last recession where there were plenty of jobs where there was an overage of workers and therefore there were layoffs and and there were you know people unemployed but at the same time and i was a recruitment manager through that recession we were still really busy because there was still a ton of recruitment and there were still labor shortages back then it was risk compliance and tech roles and um, this time it's probably more tech product digital data ai type roles um, so we're seeing that, to, to kind of more directly answer your question, we're seeing that playing in at the minute. There's definitely a big shift from, I, I don't think we're likely to see the boom times of 2001 and Q1 2002 as a recruitment sector. And I, and I mean that in-house agency, RPO, wherever you are, recruiters being so in demand. I think that was almost a, a, a sort of once in a career situation in terms of the the conflation of a number of different events um so we've gone from a a market where frankly if you had a hundred tech recruiters queued up outside your door you would have every single one of those people with 20 different companies chasing those tech recruiters tomorrow to the needs have become more specific and more specialized so we don't have a drop in in terms of demand but the demand has become much more complex and much more niche in its in its type so it's a um you know we we're doing a huge amount of recruitment in japan for example we're doing a huge amount of recruitment in uae uh, we're doing a lot of recruitment in ai and data and analytics whereas before it was more on gtm um or on on sort of sres or or devops so there's a lot of change happening under the surface of, of that demand. Um, and I've got a, a bunch of other opinions. I don't know if there's much relevance to the question you just asked around, around what that's telling us around the success of different countries in their investment in entrepreneurs and growth of business. And the UK is definitely not leading the way on that at the minute. And that's what we're seeing in the work that we're doing internationally with our clients. We should we should definitely talk about that because there's, I, th I think there's no question that national policies have a, a huge impact in terms of just you know how confident companies can can be to do forward planning, um, and how secure they are uh, that the government is going to be there to provide the, the the framework for them to succeed even if you have a, a suboptimal environment externally. So um, jumping over to you, Colin, different sector or even different country, right? So I think a lot of your yeah. your your recruitment work is focused on Ireland, and as you say, a lot yeah. of it is. In the agricultural side and so on. Can you give us a quick narrative again? Last six months, yeah. what's been going on? Yeah. So look, we we cover across every sector, right? But we're a cooperative, so our, our parent company is agriculture. So we we see, I suppose, demand on the labour side. You know, at entry level for you know um, things like warehousing, etc. Virtually impossible to find people at the moment. Um, if you look at the, I suppose, manufacturing index here, one of the the big areas they look at is constraints in terms of labour supply. So forty percent of manufacturing companies in Ireland are saying we can't find we can't find the requisite employees to deliver output that we need to output right we've got 48 of the top 50 us multinationals in ireland right so we're at a confluence of of sort of europe and 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 america um so if they catch a cold in the us it, it tends to hit us relatively hard over here but we haven't really seen that what we what we've sort of seen is um I suppose, you know, hiring slowing really, you know, um, rather than stopping. Um, there's high demand, as Katrina said, as usual, across tech, um, manufacturing, literally everything. Right. So our unemployment rate here. So we had the worst recession in Europe and the world in 2008. Right. So we, we got up to about 18 percent unemployment, which is sort of unbelievable for a, a small country of four at the time four and a half million people we dropped to technically um what's called full and full full employment in ireland back in about 2017 which is around 4.3 percent in ireland um during covid that increased to almost eight percent it's back to about 4.4.2 percent right now so we're at technical full employment i i think what we're seeing across literally 
every sector is 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 and you sort of touched on it there hung in this sort of attitudes so the stuff that's going on in the marketplace in terms of increased you know electricity gas prices increasing on candidates that has a, a huge effect on candidates so one they see it in their pocket, right? So basically, any increases are, are outstripping, um, I suppose, uh, wage increases that are that are happening in the labour market, and they've been happening massively in Ireland over the last four or five years. We've just seen the minimum wage. Ireland will now have the second highest minimum wage as of announced yesterday, only to Luxembourg. Um, and there's a real going. I think what we're going, we're starting to see is a cost of employment problem, right? So this, this, you know, we're starting to see governments, particularly in weak, weak, I suppose, uh, politically weak political governments, trying to, I suppose, appease, I suppose, the electorate by by increasing uh, salaries, minimum wages, etc., and employers on the other side, trying to keep a, a, a can on everything, right? So. Um, and you mentioned that there, it's a survey we do every year. We measure attitudes. And the one thing that happens in, and the thing that changes is, I suppose, the economy in the country, right? So what we see is as the economy declines and things look bad, even if it's only perception, candidates stop moving, right? So I would predict what we're going to see is an even tighter labor market. Like, although, unless, I suppose, we start to see an awful lot of unemployment and, and layoffs, right? But in Ireland at the moment, we don't think we're going to see that. We, you know, potentially maybe get back up to 6%, you know, if we, if things go relatively bad, I suppose from, look, as an armchair economist, not an expert like um, the two guys, I would say the big problem could be interest rates. So because if interest rates increase in line with inflation, like in, in Ireland in, in the 1980s, I'm just about old enough to remember you know, 17% interest rates here, you know, and an unemployment rate of, of 14%. So if we see, you know, um, interest rates starting to climb, what happens then is people start to stop spending and organizations and that money you talk about that floats around, you know, in in terms of uh, investments and in companies is going to slow because it's it's actually pays you more to stick it in the bank. Yeah, very, very interesting as well. And by the way, Colin, you are absolutely old enough to remember all of that stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, so let's not try and pretend uh, anything uh, anything else there. Um, okay, um, the uh, quite interested to know a little bit about the, this candidate psychology element, because have we reached a tipping point, would you say? And by the way, it is all speculation, right? So we don't really know. Um, but how do you think we've reached a point where candidates have decided to shut it down until unspecified future? Where they think, you know what, this is, I'm I'm gonna be you know, the, the, as you mentioned, Katrina, glory the, the the brief peak that we saw at the start of 2022. That's like ancient history now. Everyone's like feeling slightly differently. Is it shut down? Are, are we struggling to connect with candidates? Are, are we higher dropout rates on sort of uh, when they're in system? Harder harder to close as we get them to offer. Like, what are you guys seeing? I mean, I guess specifically Katrina and uh, Colin on this, but open to anybody's thoughts, uh, really. So, so I, I definitely think we've seen a small shift, but not it's it's not substantial. Um, I think if anything, I'd probably call out the shift that hasn't happened is many candidates who haven't realised that a shift has happened. Um, that's definitely something that I'm that I'm seeing across all of the clients that we work with. Um, candidates who still think that we're in the market that we were in in 2021 in the first quarter of 2022. So you're saying that their demands are still elevated. They're still got huge sort of. They're, they're talking as if they've got all of the uh, the, 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 yeah. the shoe on both feet. I guess. Um, we're, we're still saying, particularly in some of the some of the people who are rolling off companies. Um, where people move during the peak of the, the the kind of boom in the labor market in some of those more in-demand roles where demand has fallen. And that wouldn't be necessarily tech roles, by the way, because there that has stayed pretty constant in terms of demand. But some of the ancillary roles, interestingly, including recruitment roles, um, the, the readjustment hasn't happened. Um, but employers have moved a little bit faster on that, I think. Yeah, that would also make sense, wouldn't it? Because uh, uh, sort of th those candidates uh, episodically are on the market, so so they're 
like height, have heightened interest when they're looking. So maybe that's every three, six yeah. months or every year or whatnot. Um, and and right. So if you, if you moved a year ago and you move from, from 50 grand to 60 grand and you now need to move again through no fault of your own, you kind of expect that you're probably going to go from 60 to 65 or 65 to 70,000 base. Um, maybe stay the same, but it, it might be a little bit of a blow to realize that the market's actually retracted a little bit to probably more where it should have been. And, and that might, that 60 might now be 55. That's, that's a hard, a hard thing for people to square a circle on, I think. Yeah. And I guess we're going to have to start spotting, um, sort of job advertising sort of, uh, uh, rates, I guess, uh, which might help us with that. So it's the stuff that you, you, you focus on Sarah would, uh, would give the candidates a bit more intelligence to think, right. You know, this is where the market yeah. level is. Absolutely. And actually hung in to the colleagues here on this call. I was going to say that Radency, actually, we collect internal data from candidates and we ask them questions about what are they prioritizing, right, when they're looking for a job. In the last three months, the data that I'm looking at by gender, it shows to me that work having a greater purpose, interesting and challenging work, and then good people to work with, that's actually increased in the last three months. But getting ahead in my career, convenience and compensation and benefits actually have declined. I think that's interesting because I think in the beginning of this pandemic, when, you know, job seekers actually have an advantage they still do but comp and benefits was up there right and then the convenience factor was already baked into the equation you know with COVID obviously so it's funny to see well funny interesting as well to kind of see this reverse in the trends you know from the data that at least I'm looking at that's really interesting and Sarah's been really amazing sending me these reports by the way which I've been featuring into the brain food newsletter on a fairly regular basis I'm trying to encourage companies to do this like particularly <laughs> vendors that have got access to this data um, I think it's really useful for people to just have this data point um, so so please pay attention to that directly but you'll probably see in news, uh, in, in the brain food newsletter at some point as well um, let's talk about particular industry sectors John going to you on this I mean I'm not sure whether you've gone to that level of granularity at the at the CIPD but are you tracking sort of which sectors seem to be, you know, starting to increase the redundancy rate, for instance, and, you know, where the job creation is is, is smaller than than others? Is there is there any kind of in, uh, sort of information you can give us on that? I mean, we do. But I mean, my problem is, apart from the fact that there's a lag in a lot of the official stats and the official stats, stats give us kind of bigger samples that we can do things like breakdown by industry. Um, but, you know, most of the data I've got just says that things are still red hot. <laughs> you know, the number of um, vacancies being advertised is still up there near record high. People try and read into things like, oh, no, it's, it's marginally smaller. I'm like, yeah, but look at it. It's through the roof. Like, it's it's still on fire. And, um, you know, Canada, I just was looking at the job to job move numbers. They're, you know, below their peak, but they're still, you know, way above anything pre-pandemic. So people are still moving around. Um Essentially, I think that um, there's a market for getting some sort of press coverage and trying to guess this peak and go, oh, I don't know, a market for maybe being a bit more miserable than things are. So, oh, you know, we're it's about to peak, it's about to turn sour. And I, every time the data comes in, so labor market stats came up Tuesday, I look at it and I go, oh, it's not peaked yet. You know, it's still, it's still red hot. Um, so, you know, it's difficult to say, um, yeah, no, I've not, you know, but particularly noticed the redundancy rate creep up in any one sector or another sector. And to be honest, like, I think redundancy is kind of a lagging indicator. Uh, companies don't really like to get rid of people. Um, they, they, it's kind of, it's called labor hoarding. So even after a downturn, you kind of do everything you can to uh, say you want to reduce the size of the workforce. You, you do everything you can before making redundancy. So you might put a hiring freeze on, natural churn would lower the rate, and then redundancies come. So that's probably what it is. I think we'll see redundancies um but they'll probably just uh, happen in in time in fact you know the bank of england's um forecasts say that the unemployment rate right the unemployment rate in the uk colin's talking about full employment in ireland i think we reached full employment and then the unemployment rate just kept going down to the point where now yeah. it's at 3.6 percent which is a crazy low but, number yeah um, but john hasn't john hasn't it been interesting to see the participate i presume your participation rate is increasing in the uk as well is it or has it because of i suppose home working and more i suppose no, females so, entering the labor market or you've hit the nail on the head right so our unemployment rate is very low but the inactivity mm. rate is creeping up such that the yeah, total yeah. size of the workforce is actually lower and um yeah. Uh, you know, and that's problematic. Well, I was just going to say that we're not really expecting unemployment to rise until the middle of 2023. So, you know, we're talking about this, the energy crisis and how difficult this winter is going to be. But some of these labour market indicators, they they lag. Uh, I'm not just talking about a lag in 
the time it takes to get the data. I'm talking about the fact that they're not like employment, for example, is a terrible indicator of of recession because the recession comes along and and then employment sort of starts to go down. Um, so that's probably why I can't tell you much about redundancy rates and 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 who's struggling just because we're still very much at that frontier. I'm sure data will start to come in a bit sooner, but yeah. No, but you have educated us on a few very important sort of uh, concepts in, in in looking at numbers of this type. Um, I think one of the features that has occurred really, you know, in COVID, everyone's been turned into pseudo experts really quickly because of the accessibility, superficial accessibility of all of this information. Um, and but sometimes we don't have the depth of knowledge. to truly It's, understand it's dangerous exactly. in the wrong hands, Hong. It's dangerous in the wrong hands, man. This is why I'm hands-free, man. You know, I, I try, I try not to, I try not to drive in any direction. No, but there's a few, a few important points you mentioned that are kind of related to this, um, which is um, sort of the uh, the layoffs are the big kind of headlines. They kind of make more noise than perhaps they they deserve. But the the hidden kind of uh, problem may be things like hiring freezes, which aren't you know typically companies don't make big noises about this. You know, they, it's an internal communique. Maybe a few recruiters get made redundant or repurposed or whatever, but operationally outside, it doesn't look as if too much has changed. So it doesn't get reported. Is there any way in which we can track that? Um, like the slowdown of hiring within the company? Uh, is yeah. there, Can we do that at an aggregate level or are we reliant on just like word on the street type well, of stuff? Job boards, um, job boards hung and uh, sort of vacancy, vacancy sort of advertising is probably the key area you look you look you look at at this you know like and, and but it doesn't uh, give you the, yeah yeah well, sarah and, and john both said that actually those are still at peak levels yeah, aren't they so yeah they they are but that's i think but that's the thing we're seeing so i i actually uh was asked a recruitment dinner last night had plenty of glasses of wine and that our good friend james osborne was there and i the i suppose what we had in the room was i suppose the irish recruitment industry right and the reason I was there was I wanted to know what's going on. Are we going to see a cliff edge here and things are just going to disintegrate fairly quickly? But everyone was sort of, yeah, we're all expecting this sort of crash, but it's not coming. Why isn't it coming? You know, and um, I think that, I think it, it's basically down to the reason John said that there's just less workers out there. You know what I mean? And what, but again, getting back to it, people are starting to just starting to now, I think, starting to sit tight. You know, if they're going to make a move, they're really going to look like before COVID, you know, 2019, when things were really at helter skelter space within the tech, like candidates weren't really checking out where they were going an awful lot. Like, you know, it's like, oh, look, I'm going to get an increase, you know, 10 percent, 8 percent, et cetera, you know, um, and they're just moving. They're not doing massive amount of research. What's happening? now is candidates are starting to research those particular companies they're going to look at looking at things like you know stock exchange price are they tanking our investment gone you know looking at a much more sort of macro uh much more macro level i think that the, the tipping point or the, the time to look for for us really as an industry is probably february next year right so typically what happens is People over Christmas and that break, et cetera, start to look at their career, new life, new career, et cetera. And normally we see from February to April that real spike in, in terms of, um, although September is probably the biggest year for moves, you know, I think um, usually we, we see it here, you know, February to May, April is really, really busy sort of time. So is this cost of living increase and cost of, uh, cost of employment increase is that going to flatten out that, you know, I, I still, but ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to tighten the labor market even further. Like, because you're just, people aren't going to move, you know, they're going to be afraid to um, move, you know, I had, and, and I think a macro, like a sort of a macro thing that's happening there. I had a great quote the other day. We've never had more jobs. We've never been paid more. And we are all somehow the poorer for it. Right. So it's like, there's this sort of thing going on out there where people are going, yeah, we're all we're all working harder, we're getting paid more, but you know, what's this all about? You know, and I think that's sort of to to one of the points earlier was around doing you know really powerful work, great work in organisations is becoming really much more important, and that's what attract is attracting candidates now. You know, there's also like there's a lot of sector variability though in terms of whether the pay is being like uh, keeping pace with cost of living, for instance, uh, and and that's not being uniform. So I think a lot of people that may be th feeling 
yeah, you know, we've gained from this period is equally large numbers of people that actually have really seen their real sort of income oh, have, well, if you, have decreased if, over time. Yeah, like if you look at hospitality, you know, you know, transport, production, you know, those areas, people's, you know, net income, and John might have some detail on this, like it's low, like costs are going like this, you know what I mean? And, you know, they're, they're usually getting small increases, um, you know, each year, you know, so it's, I think that's the area that real pressure is coming under. I think, I think what will happen is the cost of employment, I suppose, you know, employers are going to look to technology more automation, et cetera, because look, you know, in, in times where, when, when labor, particularly in Europe is, is, is relatively expensive, you know, for years we were sort of, you know, from Europe outsourcing it, you know what I mean? Um, companies starting to look much more now at, at technology and automation in terms of replacing, you know, replacing workers with automation. I think that's probably that if it keeps going the way it is, that's going to be definitely be, have an impact soon. So. I was I was served by I was served the beer by a robot waiter um, uh, only a couple of months ago, and I thought, yeah. yes, that's obviously the future. <laughs> you know, I, it was it was late in the evening. I was definitely not the right type of customer for them. So I, there's no reason why a human being would 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 ever be 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 better than a robot. So uh, so yes, never it's never going to catch on in Ireland, man. It's never catching on in <laughs> Ireland. I can tell you that. I don't know. I was in. Uh, I was away for business this week, and I was staying at an airport hotel in Zurich. And when you robot. order room service, a robot brings you your room service. I, I yep. thought it was did amazing. It, did it, co- and did you it come to your bed, bed or so, did hey, it you leave at the door? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it comes to the door, and you get a you get a phone call to say open come your and door. Collect, come and collect. It's the future, right? So that's going to happen. I do think food retail, in particular, is one of those industries where we're going to have a massive sea change. People don't want to do that work anymore. It's it's very difficult. The hours are tough. The number the money's never been great. Um, we've been paying for cheap eating out hot food. You know, we, we've uh, uh, all of us have had the benefit of that. Uh, but I don't think you can maintain those prices uh, and maintain that type of labor cost um, and still have people do the job. I mean, they just, just ain't going to do it. Um, okay, um, folks, this is actually a really good time to take a mini break. We don't always, we, we kind of shouldn't ever forget this. This is obviously a really deep topic. And it's not only one topic. It's like a massive story, loads of subsectors that we get into. We are going to do another show on this. And I'm going to keep talking about economy in the sense I'm just trying to educate myself. Hopefully, you're going to educate yourself as well by being a participant here um but remember um brain food is always a conversation starting show it's not the show that i should ever end the conversation we're always here to make sure that um uh, uh, we're going to start a conversation thread you continue it when we have to come off air um so now is a good time to just take a moment take your linkedin profile and stick it in the chat stream on crowdcast and then connect with everyone else who is doing the same thing. Um, there's about 60, 70 people watching us on LinkedIn, maybe similar numbers on Facebook and Twitter. I'd recommend you do the same. Just take your LinkedIn profile, connect it, stick it into uh, the, the the comment thread at the bottom of wherever you're watching it, and then just connect with everyone else who's doing the same thing. Um, these are all people that are interested in this topic. They should all be people that would be uh, interested in continuing the conversation once we do have to come off air. So make sure you walk away from this with at least a strong network of people um, that are interested in this topic. Um, okay, um, I see a few people do that, which is good stuff. Um, let's move on to do some future projection for 2022. Um, uh, recession, what do we reckon? Is it happening? Has it already happened? Uh, is it a big deal if it happens? Like, is, it, is it just a technical thing that no one cares about? Um, what are our thoughts here? Let's, let's go around the room. Uh, Katrina, do you want to go first with that? Uh, yeah, well, so I, I think there's more learned people than I am in terms of looking at economist level projections on the call in terms of, of Sarah and John. Um, but certainly based on based on my experience historically and being in, being in recruitment for quite a long time now, but also looking at what we're seeing with the clients that we're working with today and the many clients that we're talking to who are coming in, um, I do think we're going to start to see a a recession hitting recruitment um, in in some areas. Um, But I I think we're just not in other areas. And I think the biggest thing that people are struggling with at the minute is is more personal around rising things we've already mentioned, rising costs of energy, 
even even down to or is it inflation or recession right what are you supposed to is cash king or do you not want to have cash which one do you want to do uh, it's all very confusing for people at the minute and i, I think that that <clears> is permeating into their working lives as well yeah i, I was going to get rid of my cash you know I, I i started researching into rolexes i thought you know what i'm, I'm gonna only buy a roller here you can't um, buy them anymore Tom. there's no if you if you ever walk through an airport they're all exhibition only now do you know what the Rolex prices are going down though? I mean, I was like really? shocked. I thought, hey, everyone's truly luxury good. This is actually maintaining value in these types of uncertain times. No, it's, it's actually crashing. So I, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. But yeah, the I, Rolex collection then hung. Yeah, uh, it's like literally, I do. No one knows where to park their their values if they have any kind of value, right? So anyway, Colin, go to you. Recession, yes, no, is it a big deal? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I I think this will be probably country specific i i would certainly looking from here worry about the uk i i, I think brexit other than maybe john disagrees but uh, i would certainly think the uk has 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 a lot of problems coming i think you know even from a labor market perspective uh, look to me what what drove the uk economy for the last 30 or 40 years was bringing people in and you know great talent in and 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 it drove the economy um I think they, you guys have got a got a real problem. Ireland, probably not as much. We're probably insulated a little bit at the moment because of our, I suppose, the U.S. multinational base. Agriculture is 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 really really strong here at the moment, um, and in general, we're doing fine. Um, you know, it just depends. It, it's it's all about interest rates and inflation. They keep climbing. We've got a real problem probably in the first quarter of uh, next year. You know, you got you, you failed to make a prediction, Colin. Um, so, so we... <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I don't think we'll see a, a recession in Ireland in, in 2023. Great. Excellent. Um, and by the way, we should totally talk about sort of the, the, re, the country variance. I think absolutely that's the case. Uh, the, the, the economic mix in every business is different. The politics is different. Um, attitudinally to work, it's different. So all of this is very interesting. Um, Dr. Sara Ali, uh, what's your view from the US side on the recession? Uh, is it happening? Has it happened? Is it a Absolutely. Big deal? For me, honestly, as an economist, I, I keep going 50-50. I'm a little risk averse. I'm a little risk loving, right? I mean, people have been so wrong with all of our economic models. So that's why I'm kind of like 50-50. Hmm, but for us in the US, right, the National Bureau of Economic Research, they actually determine whether the US is in a recession. So basically from a technical definition, right, it's a decline uh, in two consecutive quarters, quarters. Of, yeah. of GDP. Exactly. But here's the issue. We still have inflation. We still have supply chain problems. And then I know there were some comments earlier made, but I, I will say one thing in the US, our numbers are totally contradicting everything. We have high job openings. Okay, great. Our unemployment is still relatively low. Our labor force participation rate went up. Our civilian labor force up pre-pandemic. Yet, right, we still have all these job vacancies and we have issues finding people. And I think it kind of goes back to, you know, why are people not coming back into the labor force. And I guess, Hong, I won't jump into that topic just now because I know that's coming up, obviously. But, you know, it's such a it's such a mixed reaction. So, I mean, a lot of our clients and executives are concerned about inflation. I mean, I feel like for me as an economist, I'm doing scenario planning, right? Like, is it going to be like this? Is it going to be like that? You know, the beginning of the pandemic when economists were planning, if you all remember, like a K-shaped recovery, an L-shaped recovery. I mean, I don't remember which alphabet, you know, letter, just pick one, right? This is where we were going. But, um, you know, I'm optimistic as a person and probably as an economist, not too optimistic, but, you know, I'm, I'm cautious. So I'm going to say 50-50 to hedge my bets. That's, uh, I want to say that's okay. No, no that's not allowed, it. Hong. That's not allowed. No. I, I know, but... <laughs> Sarah, just give like such a such a comprehensive sort of an intelligent response. It's like hard for me to veto that. Um, no, but I, I think it's really interesting. By the way, folks, we will be talking about the missing workers in the, in, in the next two weeks. I think this is actually really maybe the underlying sort of issue is all of this. Like, where are the people? And why are they reluctant to come in? Um, are we on some sort of unofficial general strike? Like, are we just simply down tools? I think a significant percentage of people I have either spent enough time waiting for the perfect opportunity that it's just simply receded away into, you know, it, it, it will, it's a theoretical opportunity now. And they found a way to survive without necessarily getting involved. Long-term sick, how big is that a problem? How many people are taking care of people that are long-term sick? We've seen um, long COVID, for instance, I've had COVID recently, knocked me out for like a week. Um, now, I would imagine if I had a persistent issue um, uh, going forward, then that could be just the be 
de a debilitating thing over time. And do I show up on some stats on on, on unemployment? I think I don't if I'm long term sick. Am I right, John? So um, so so I think the, the the unemployment rate itself is not necessarily the rate of people that are not working. It's the amount of people that can work that aren't working. Um, and it's it's not it, 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 that number can go up or down depending on how how sick the society is, right? Um, so all of these things can, can have an issue. Uh, go to you with a final question, John. Where are you in terms of you know are we in recession? Does it matter? You know what's your what's your view on this? Uh, yeah, it matters a lot. I think <clears throat> if I was American, I'd be a lot more optimistic. Um, you can only I look at the American economy with awe. Um, you know, the, the way the, the dynamism, the way it still grows. I was just, I've got cousins over from America right now um, for my wedding, and I've just sent them a <coughs> BBC News article saying, um, you've really like, fill your boots because the pound is at its lowest level against the dollar in 37 years. So that's that's kind of a big deal. You know, the, this, for sterling to be struggling like that, or imports more expensive, we have a problem that they don't have in America, um, which is that they are kind of energy independent, and we've just got this massive external uh, shock to energy prices across Europe. That's a massive deal. Um, the new government have basically said they're pretty much just going to wholesale bail out um, households. So that's, you know, it's actually an uncapped liability because it depends on what the cost of gas is doing. But we're talking hundreds of billion, you know, 100 billion pounds at least. So that might do something to prop up households uh, finances, uh, which will curtail, um, mitigate, you know, the effects of recession. But recession's almost inevitable now. Um, and it's not looking good. And it's not looking healthy. And it's uh, very much a cause for concern. Uh, yep. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I, I appreciate the uh, the candor there. And we should probably talk a little bit about uh, the energy side of things, because that is a very unique thing for Europe in particular. Um, we know US energy is, is, is independent. Some countries are actually energy independent as well. You look at Norway sitting there, you know, feeling fairly, fairly comfortable. But there's other countries, particularly like the UK, that's not the case. Um, and all, a lot of our major trading partners in, in Europe, that is not the case. Um, and we've already seen how the expensive, uh, the increase of input costs, uh, energy input costs into other industries has actually caused huge downstream problems. <clears throat> like we can't produce fertilizer anymore because it's too expensive to actually uh, uh, to create ammonia or something. Um, uh, so, so Three times the price. So a, a ton of fertilizer, we're in the agriculture sector, a ton of fertilizer is three and a half times the price was a year ago. So you just think right. about that. Yeah, yeah. So, so again, depending on the the economy mix, the economic mix we have, what does that all look like? Yeah. Agriculture, uh, it just it just on a, like a, it's actually quite a, interesting to look at in Ireland is agriculture, right? So, you know, five years ago, um, a liter of milk produced, a farmer was paid thirty cents a liter, right? So he's now been paid sixty two cents a liter, more or less 60, 60, 62 cents a liter in Ireland, right? His inputs over the last twelve months have all gone up, minimum two hundred percent, right? So. But I suppose his income is 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 increasing. You know what I mean. But the thing that we got to look at is where does where does that all all stop and what drives that? If and if if the farmer is overextended in terms of you know mortgages and 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 loans and things like that, it it really has an impact. And you can take that for every business because the cup of coffee you're buying in the shop, if you look at it over the last sort of twelve months, is increasing probably in in the UK by fifty pence a time. Here it's fifty cents. You know, so it's all this and it. It's when does that price reach a point where it turns off the consumers? And I think the, the two economists probably have more answers on that than me. But you would imagine this thing has, if, if it keeps going the way it's going at the moment, something's sort of got to give, you know. You know, uh, Colin, you actually introduced a really interesting idea here about, um, you know, your personal inflation rate. Um, mm. You know, we talked about inflation, but inflation is not necessarily a single number. It's just a, a collection. It's, it's, it's oh, a selected yeah. aggregate, isn't it? Mm. So there was one fella I remember, he, he, I think he made the newspapers, or but he just did his own inflation. <laughs> it literally was his own household expenditures over time. And he tracked it on a spreadsheet. And it was stuff like coffee. And it was like, how much did he, you know, how much was a bottle of milk? Uh, and he did that over, over time and recognized, actually, yes, in terms of what I spend my money on, this is how it's going up and compared to what I'm getting income-wise, salary, that's not going up. Therefore, yes, life is getting worse in terms of my uh, standard of living. And I just think, okay, that's probably going too far. There are not many people will probably do that, but use your own data, you know, use yeah, your own totally, sort of yeah, yeah. information. 
as well as you know interacting with more abstract yeah. stuff which you know we all accept we're swimming around a little bit out of our depth apart from just just, just in terms of one thing i think that is is the micro sort of stuff that's happened with with organizations for the last sort of 15 years right so we've had this sort of micro speci- specialization in roles and i really it was in the brain food oh, about three weeks ago you know where instead of we've, we've all these people who typically 30 years ago they rise up the ladder and they become the ceo right so there's only so many ceo roles we we really deep specialization in 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 jobs now within organizations you know within marketing think about it like 30, 25 years ago, you had probably four or five different roles. Now you've got like 50. It's like just, you know, really, really sort of wide and, and, and sort of deep. And I think that could be a real problem for, for people if a sort of a recession hits, because when you're very, very specialized, it's actually easier for the organization to cover over the cracks with, with people than if you're, you know, a one man sort of, you know, does everything type of thing, you know, and that goes for recruiters as well a little bit hung, I think, you know what I mean? So it's, it's looking at that, indi- that individual looking at their role and saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, in, in the marketing sense, outbound sort of consumer analyst, etc. you know, and I think organizations particularly, and there's a real, it's probably come a lot from, I think the hybrid stroke home working is this productivity sort of index. So how, how productive are are people and organizations, you know, the bigger ones, particularly who measure this are really worried about that at the moment. I think in the U S it's, it's, it's dropped, you know, considerably um, since, since pre COVID, you know what I mean? So that's what organizations are going to start fixing in on that. Who's productive in the organization and what are they doing? You know, if you're, and if you're in a really sort of, Look, the obvious specialized roles that I suppose are, are key to the growth of the organization, you're fine. But if you're a sort of a bean counter in the back sort of room there, you know what I mean? And, you know, you're, you're, you're giving back data and things like that. I think, you, I think you could have potentially a problem. You know, it could be completely well, wrong on that, but I'm just, you know. That, that that's uh, that's some tangent, Colin. Um, uh, but uh, I don't think we can quite cover everything you're saying. But you did say very interesting things. It's led us to towards something I want to end the show on, which is sort of what do individuals need to do, particularly recruiters, I guess, um, because most of the audience who are listening to this are going to be recruiters or people working in the recruitment industry. Um, what would your advice be to people who uh, are in the space feeling a little bit discomfiture outside? Um, you know, what, what are their personal behaviors? Are there particular sectors they should head towards? Are there skills they should develop? You know, what kind of behaviors or activities should they be doing at this point in time? Um, your thoughts on this, Katrina? Yeah, so, so honestly, what I've said already, tech, product, digital, data, AI, it's not going anywhere. So anybody that is developing skills in that space is a job seeker um, or recruiters who are looking to, to continue to grow their career, those are definitely areas to gravitate towards and, and loads of amazing stories about that out there as well you know one that that um that struck home with me recently was um was actually a, a daughter of a friend of mine who was working um as a waitress and that's what she'd been doing for two years went and did a six-month coding course came out the back of that and now has actual work-life balance and has gone from earning minimum wage to earning forty-five thousand pounds a year which is transformational for her working as a junior level coder. And if you could find another 200 people like her, you'd be able to put them all into jobs tomorrow. So definitely gravitating towards those areas that you can read about in any economics or any job market reports as continued areas of growth. And um, I think my advice to recruiters, and I, I think I said this on stage at Wreckfest this year, is um, don't think, you know, this is all cyclical. We, we've been here before. Um, you know, those of us that lived through the the big crash um, back in back in the day, which doesn't seem that long ago, but it was um, those of us that lived through that. Whenever we got into that situation of companies are never, ever recruiting again, that's it. All hiring is frozen. Most of us have never been busier before in our lives. Um, it might mean that you change companies. It might mean that your role slightly changes in terms of what you're focusing on. Um, but there will there will be a requirement out there and there will be a need to continue to recruit. 
Yeah, that's very well said, Katrina. I remember actually during the height of the, re the recession, the pandemic-induced recession, there was a big wave of people that were leaving the recruitment industry precisely because they perceived it to be like a permanent uh, uh, contraction. Um, and and then six months later, it was like we can't find recruiters anymore. LinkedIn were publishing, you know, recruiters being the the, the premium job, uh, the most popular in-demand job on on their platform. So so yeah, it is one of these where you have to hold a bit steady and understand that um, uh, uh, opportunities will always be there um, for people who uh, uh, who I guess you've got to be lucky in terms of choosing the right types of uh, seg sectors to focus on. But you know maybe that's one of the things that you can do to control your career a little bit is to think about which areas are going to be um, uh, growth areas irrespective of what the cyclical conditions of the market might be. Um, okay, um, let's just go around real quick with bit, bits of advice, I guess. Um, so, Dr. Sar Ali, what's your advice to people who, you know, working in the recruitment sector right now or thinking about, oh, you know, there's a hiring freeze in my business, what should I do? What's your sort of input um, to, to that type of person? Yeah. So if you know, if you're a tech recruiter and you're looking for applicants, you know, within that space, I mean, I say take advantage of people's transferable skills, right? You have the technical part and you have the soft skills. I mean, coding and analytics, big data, whatever, machine learning, we all know that's in demand, but being able to talk to people and conveying that technical information, right, to non-technical audiences, that is hard to find. So if you can find that, obviously, and applicants take advantage. And I don't think anybody's perfect. I'm not perfect. Nobody is. You just kind of learn as you go. And so I think if people are willing to have the ability to learn and they have some agility in their background, you know, talk to yeah, them. Great advice. Nice. Learning, learning ability, I think is the skill, isn't it these days? Because um, <laughs> the, the world is changing at such a, a rapid click that, you know, information held in your head is, is going to be out of date as soon as it's in there. So you know, what you have to do is the ability to constantly be able to find uh, new solutions, uh, learn new skills. You, you, that, that muscle memory of learning things don't have that sort of atrophy in any way. Um, uh, John, let's go to you on this. Um, again, I don't, you know, you're an analyst. You're a person that, you know, tries to not actually give advice, I think, you know, because professionally you want to try and ob objectively describe the situation as is. Uh, but if you could give advice to say someone who is in the recruiting or HR profession, what sort of things would you be saying to that person? Um, well, I think that even in a recession, there's demand for certain roles. So anything public sector, there's still a, a need to provide these services. So I imagine employment will hold up pretty well there. I think the UK and policy would be very foolish if they didn't start taking a uh, uh, move to net zero much more seriously than uh, we did six months ago. I think six months ago, it was kind of seen as a major cost and a nice to have. And now uh, with the energy prices, it's can kind of fundamentally changed the equation on uh, how, what renewables can deliver, for, for, deliver us for us. And um, that means, you know, there's going to be huge markets for retrofitting and heat pumps and, you know, engineering roles in solar and um, wind farms, that sort of thing. So that's going to be huge. Um, and, you know, governments, uh, particularly the UK, we had kind of 10 years of austerity and not really wanting to spend, uh, followed by a period of, no, actually, we're happily spend 100 billion on uh, furlough or uh, propping up energy um, bills and that sort of thing. So, uh, you know, there's a chance that government might be more interested in making big investments in uh, bigger projects that you, you know that that can um do well for hiring so yeah in, in a roundabout way that's advice there there are winners and losers um in a recession there's always going to be industries that will uh benefit you know those kind of um substitute goods so um you know your budget supermarkets are probably going to do quite well out of it and that's something uh so yeah you know in a dynamic economy when uh, things move around it's about keeping your finger on the pulse and kind of looking at where those opportunities are and they're always there Yep, that's it. I think just to be aware of what's going on and, and try and just future align everything. I mean, that's just the general advice. I think most people who are watching this show probably have already thought along those lines at some point. Uh, you know, you, you, it always makes sense to... Uh, to work in a field or work in a direction that is going to grow, that's the future it's going to be, rather than something that's in the past and receding. Uh, so as you say, you know, uh, energy efficiency, green at green tech, all of those places, clearly massive imperative to drive into those. Uh, the, 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 there'll be more than just market forces driving that. There's going to be, you know, a national sort of uh, 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 industry policy 
uh, in effect, uh, moving us in that direction. So that is not a bad place to start building um, some skills and building a network. Um, okay, that's it, folks. Um, we've had a very, very good conversation uh, today. As it's obvious that this is a topic that we can continue to talk about. Um, I would totally recommend you go ahead and follow all of the people that you saw on the panel today here. Um, we're going to keep talking about the economy. I think, Dr. Sara, you're back uh, with us for the next couple of weeks uh, for the, the missing millions uh, story. Where are the people and how can we bring them back? Um, make sure you join us for that. Um, and, uh, and and yeah, hopefully you've uh, you've got value from the show. Uh, let me take this time to thank all of our guests for joining us. So Dr. Sara Ali, Thank you so much for waking up early in Chicago and joining us uh, for Brain Food Live. Um, uh, John, boys, uh, uh, thank you so much for your last day in the office. But please do enjoy the next two uh, weeks of your uh, the, the next chapter. Um, that's fantastic stuff. Uh, and yeah, uh, love to get you back for another opportunity uh, to chat. Uh, Colin, I think we've already lost you, so that's okay. You have a good day, sir. And Katrina, I think I've lost you as well, but uh, great to see you and uh, you take care of yourself also. Um, okay, that's about it. We'll be back next week, folks. We are um, going to be talking about how to source on Slack. Would you believe it? We're back to sourcing, folks. Um, uh, some of the most popular shows been doing this uh, uh, this year have, have been how to source on different platforms. How do you source on Reddit? How do you source on uh, Discord? How are you going to source on TikTok. We're going to do Slack next week. Um, so make sure you join us. Ala Pablo is going to be there. Mark Dubel is going to be there. Uh, Nicolas Darcis is going to join us as well. Um, so it's going to be a fabulous show. I understand they're going to actually show us some live techniques as we do it. Um, so it's one of those where I think if you're looking for candidates and interested to you know, find new techniques outside of the world on LinkedIn, this is one where you have to join. So follow the channel if you're interested in getting notified for that and register for the show next week. Um, okay, that's about it, everybody. Hope you've enjoyed it.